Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The city COVID outbreak, it is causing headaches across the city and around the country. As we go to air, there are growing concerns around the number of infectious cases requiring treatment. 37 people in hospital with COVID-19 in New South Wales. Seven of them are in intensive care. Two are on ventilators. Now, the Delta variant is proving dangerous to younger people as well. 14 of those in hospital, under 55, eight are under 35. Of the seven in ICU, one is in their 30s. And we're being warned of more cases in coming days now. Health chiefs say it is crunch time in Sydney to bring the spread of the dangerous Delta variant under control. Around the country, outbreaks in Victoria and WA appear to be under control. Queensland has one new case linked to an existing cluster. New South Wales recorded 27 new cases. This graph shows the new daily local cases in New South Wales over the past two weeks. Lockdown hasn't flattened the curve and there are still new cases infectious in the community as well as new mystery infections. Of yesterday's 27 new local cases, 13 have been in isolation, seven were in isolation for part of their infectious period, and seven cases were infectious in the community. The lockdown for Greater Sydney, Central Coast, Blue Mountains, Wollongong and Shell Harbour has been extended by a week. People can only leave home to buy food or medicine or essential items, provide care, get medical care or get vaccinated, go to work if you can't work from home, exercise outdoors, access childcare, attend a funeral or in case of an emergency. Learning will be from home for students in Greater Sydney from Tuesday. Schools are now working out lesson plans. Here's Koshi. Live now to our team of reporters, Amber Laidler. You're in that area of the three local government areas in Sydney's west being put under the spotlight because this is where all the infections are occurring. Good morning, Koshi. Yeah, Fairfield, Canterbury, Bankstown and Liverpool have all been listed as areas of concern by the government due to a rising number of exposure sites and positive cases. But really, all of Western and Southwestern Sydney has been placed on alert. The government now pleading with people to do the right thing. 27 cases were recorded yesterday. Just over half of those were in the community while infectious. Uh, and we've heard from the Premier and the Deputy Premier that people really need to try and stay at home the vast majority of people are doing the right thing but in some parts of the city there's no question that people are really just really pushing the boundary when it comes to the rules for your stay home orders about why you can leave home and what we're trying to do is strengthen that and we, we need to be tougher the messaging has to be stronger 
Now, the news of the extended lockdown left parents and schools scrambling yesterday. Only children of essential workers will return to the classroom in Greater Sydney next week. Everybody else will start the school term via online learning. This extended lockdown is forecast to cost the local economy around $3 billion. And the government is defending not calling a lockdown sooner. But they have come under fire for not providing more support for the workers and businesses impacted by these restrictions, Koshi. Now, Elliot Shipper, you're outside the Sunshine Coast Hospital where 10 staff members are in isolation this morning after a COVID scare. And they're, look, they're heroic actions. Good morning, Koshi. Absolutely. These 10 staff members knowingly exposed themselves to a positive patient with COVID-19 in order to save their lives. Uh, it happened yesterday. The, uh, on Wednesday, a patient was here and required an MRI scan and they had suffered an adverse reaction to dye that's uh, injected before the scan and they actually went into anaphylactic shock. Now, these 10 staff members selflessly, uh, without any time to put on any PPE equipment, rushed in and gave life-saving treatment to this patient. They are now in a stable condition and uh, those 10 staff members are in quarantine for 14 days. Queensland Health has confirmed that a deep clean was done of the area and assures us that there are no other risks to other staff in the hospital. The Chief Health Officer says she was satisfied with how the staff acted and has praised them for their selfless acts mm. in putting the health of a patient above their own. Yep, good on them. Uh, Nathan Templeton is at Flemington Race Course in Melbourne. Nathan, Australia could have enough vaccine doses to immunise 80% of the nation by Cup Day. That's right, Koshi. Melbourne Cup Day is always one to celebrate and hopefully even more so this year. The link is that Australia needs 20 million more doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine for the 16 to 59 year olds. Once that number is administered, we will reach that magical 80% vaccination rate. That is when scientists recognise herd immunity and hopefully life can go back to normal. And this year it is November 2nd, Melbourne Cup Day, when our supply should reach that 20 million mark. From there, it'll be a race to test and administer those batches uh, and maybe we can reach 80% immunity uh, by Christmas Day. Uh, there's further good news in Victoria because restrictions are easing further tonight at midnight. Um, we will have uh, no masks in offices or schools. They'll still be required on public transport and supermarkets though. Uh, footy and theatre crowds will go up to 75% capacity. They'll still have rules of one person per two square metres in hospitality venues and home gatherings will remain fairly small uh, at 15. The Victoria is hoping fingers crossed, for eight days in a row of no community cases. Koshi? Yep. All right, Nathan, thank you. Now, lockdown has been officially extended by a week across Greater Sydney. Businesses will remain shut. Students will start term three from home. After the state recorded 27 new cases, more than half of those were active in the community while infectious. The Premier says the only way Sydney will get past this lockdown is to stick to the rules, singling out southwest Sydney as the most at-risk area. Health Minister Greg Hunt joins us from Melbourne. Uh, Minister, do you believe Sydney's lockdown extension and return to remote learning is the best approach? Look, yes, it is. Uh, always around the country, we have to uh, use the right tools for the right task. Uh, borders, testing, tracing, distancing, vaccination. Uh, distancing is something that... Uh, when there are community cases of transmission uh, in number, uh, has to be uh, 
one of the tools. In this case, uh, we've been uh, working very closely with New South Wales, the Prime Minister, myself, the Chief Medical Officer with our counterparts, and uh, I think they've made the right decision. The Commonwealth Chief Medical Officer, Paul Kelly, has uh, extended our Commonwealth hotspot for another week as well. So it's a difficult time, okay. uh, but nevertheless, uh, people in New South Wales are overwhelmingly doing the right thing, and to those small number who, who aren't, please respect the fact that any breach you make could cost the life of somebody yep. else. And so this is critically important and it's something all of us can do to protect each other. Yeah, Greg Hahn, a little earlier on Sunrise, the Deputy Premier John Barillaro was on and saying, as the New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard said yesterday, maybe New South Wales is going to have to live with the disease, that they're convinced they will come out of lockdown at the end of next week, even if there are still community cases. How worried are you that one state will be an, an, outlier, an outlier going from an elimination strategy to a suppression strategy? Look, our goal all the way along uh, has actually been to uh, drive down the cases. Uh, we recognise that this is a global pandemic. The world is not about right. to eliminate the disease. Uh, but we have to ensure that there are as few cases in Australia as possible. New South Wales has been a global standout, not just an Australian standout, mm. and we're very confident in their uh, okay. testing, their tracing. Uh, their tracing is a global gold standard. And so uh, we'll work through it together. And uh, yesterday was a record vaccination day for Australia. So thank you to Australians, uh, over 165,000 okay. vaccinations. and. We're no. increasingly confident of uh, being able to bring forward additional supplies in August. No, so, my, my point challenges, is, my, but my record point vaccinations. Is, my point is, Greg Hunt, that if Sydney breaks rank away from elimination to suppression, we've basically got seven different countries here in Australia. Because if, there's, if they're happy, New South Wales, happy with community infections still going on and suppressing, it means no one in New South Wales will be able to travel to any other state and no one from interstate will be able to come to New South Wales. So that's going to be a shamozzle. Well, look, only uh, last week National Cabinet met and endorsed the, uh, the Prime Minister's four-stage plan. And so overwhelmingly, the states and territories are working together and working with the, with the Commonwealth. So and, you uh, think the other states is, will you know, accept New South Wales doing that? Uh, look, what I think is that New South Wales will ultimately uh, be able to get on top of this. Um, it's a challenge and there will inevitably, in a, in a world of uh, uh, you know, almost uh, four million lives lost, um, in a world okay. of uh, you know, uh, over 180 million cases, big cases that come in Australia, yep. but we just continue to fight uh, and oh, sure, I urge sure. people to uh, continue but, but, to come forwards. But you know, this is the frustration of Australians. We all understand we're a Commonwealth, we all understand we're a Federation, but this is a health pandemic. And we've got six different styles of leadership in tackling this. And Australians are getting really frustrated with well, it. And, and if New South Wales break away and the other states stick with elimination, then no one will be able to travel anywhere. Well, let me step back and uh, put a slightly different perspective on it. Um, what we've achieved um, through both a national approach but appropriate state responses 
has been arguably one of the outstanding results in the world. But it's never easy and um, we trust New South Wales, we trust the way they've managed yeah, um, some no of the most difficult uh, of issues. And we, uh, what, I, uh, what I would say is that uh, we are very confident that the combination of measures there, okay. borders, testing, tracing, distancing, vaccination, all of these things will work. And uh, the more Australians that are vaccinated, over um, 8.5 million people, um, and those numbers are increasing significantly, again, as I say, with a record yep. yesterday, and, and I'm increasingly confident about uh, bringing forward okay. more vaccines in, in August. These things are all working. All so, right. challenges, uh, but can we do it as a nation? Absolutely, and will okay. we do it as a nation Yes, I believe we will. All right, Greg Hunt, appreciate your time. Thank you. There is a growing number of Western Sydney suburbs on the high alert this morning with three local government areas put on COVID alert. Fairfield, Canterbury, Baxdown and Liverpool are where health authorities say the virus is spreading rapidly. The city is being warned to toe the line when it comes to restrictions or risk spending longer in lockdown. For more, we're joined by New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro. Um, John, a Sydney side is taking this lockdown seriously enough. Well, I think they are taking it seriously, Koshi, and uh, uh, they are coming out and getting tested. The vast majority of people are doing the right thing, but in some parts of the city, there's no question that people are really just really pushing the boundary when it comes to the rules for your stay-home orders about why you can leave home. And what we're trying to do is strengthen that. and we, we need to be tougher. The messaging has to be stronger. And in those three LGAs that you touched on, uh, it's possible that we might even have to go even with further restrictions if, if things don't improve. OK, so it could, you could adopt a, a Northern Beaches-style lockdown for those three areas, like you did with the Northern Beaches over Christmas, New Year. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we will give consideration to what else we need to do in those LGAs where we're seeing a significant problem, a lot of community transmission, a lot of movement of people. And, uh, you know, they're the sort of decisions we look at at our crisis committee meetings uh, each day. Uh, we'll take the health expert advice. We've, we've extended the lockdown, so the whole of Sydney's going through this pain. And if it means additional pain in some areas, we'll give that consideration. OK, I'm interested the extension of the lockdown maybe wasn't unanimous in your committee that you're talking about with the state treasurer uh, against lockdown because of the financial harm to small businesses? Well, Koshi, you know, Don Perichay, the treasurer, there's no question his, his KPI and what he measures as success is, of course, the economy, jobs, uh, rebooting business. And, and he's going to be a strong advocate and a strong voice for that. And he expressed those views. But, but the decision of, of the crisis cabinet was that we'd go into further lockdown to give us a bit of breathing so that when we come out of lockdown in over a week's time, uh, we actually can come out with lesser restrictions, which I believe will give greater boost in confidence and certainty to businesses. These are the robust debates we have. Uh, every member has a view, uh, expresses it, but by the end of the meeting, uh, we all get on board. Yeah, Health Minister Brad Hazard has come under fire for saying that the current outbreak may never be fully controlled. Was that a wise comment to make? Well, it, it, it's a true comment. I mean, Minister Hazard, I mean, the Health Minister's been in, involved in this for the whole what, 18, 19 months that we've been dealing with COVID, and he never minces his words. There is no time for anyone to mince their words. And, 
uh, he has said that. I mean, it's clear that in a week's time or over a week's time, we still may have community transmission and we may have to attack this differently. Remembering this is the Delta strain, very different different to the very first strain. There's no playbook or rule book for us to okay. work through. We're, we're making best decisions on, on that advice. But, but that's indicating you're going to move from suppression to just living with the virus because you're committed to coming out of lockdown at the end of next week and you're saying even if there is still community transmission, you'll do that. Well, it, it is very, very possible. We, you know, at the moment, we are looking at eradicating community transmission. What you end up doing is a suppression approach, which manages uh, th those that are in the community. But these decisions haven't yeah, been made. Eliminate. Minister Hazard has expressed his, his views, and we'll give that all consideration next week. OK. That would certainly be breaking ranks with, with other states. Oh, look, you know, as I said, the Delta strain is very, very different. We're doing everything we can. We're, uh, Sydney siders and, and New South Wales citizens have, have worn the brunt. They're doing the right thing. We're giving it our best shot to uh, stop all community transmission, get back to zero. But if that's not possible, then, then we'll have to look okay. at what, what this plan B look like. All right. Fascinating. John Barillaro, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thank you. If New South Wales breaks ranks with other states, that mm. means mm. you may never be able to cross borders. Well, exactly, because all the <laughs> if other states... we're not states, on the same page. I know, because they won't take anyone from New South, all Wales. Of New South Wales. a red zone in perpetuity. Oh, yeah. exactly. Never right. let you go. Exactly. But you'll never see friends or relatives in the state. I don't think that was discussed at National Cabinet no, the other day. I don't day. think so. Your destiny is in your hands. That's the message from New South Wales Government as it extends lockdown across Greater Sydney by a week. Businesses will remain shut and students will begin Term 3 from home after the state recorded 27 new cases. More than half of those were active in the community while infectious. The Premier says the only way Sydney will get past this lockdown is to stick to the rules, singling out South West Sydney as the most at-risk area. I'm joined now by New South Wales Education Minister Sarah Mitchell. Uh, Minister, parents all through Sydney going, oh, not again, I've got to balance working from home to teaching from home. Uh, can you promise remote learning for Greater Sydney will just be the four days? Absolutely, Koshi. And look, I understand it's a frustrating <clears throat> and challenging time for parents. Uh, but we will just be doing it for those first four days of term. We've done it before. We know we can do it again. And we'll have all students back on Monday, the 19th of July. OK, so even if the lockdown is extended in Sydney, kids will go back to school? Yeah, we've made that commitment uh, and we've got the health advice that we're able to do that. So we will have extra measures in place when it comes to COVID restrictions when students return. Things like no parents on site, no extra activities, uh, mask wearing... All of that, of course, will be dependent on the health advice that we get for individual schools for that week. But I can guarantee that students will be back in week two. We've made that commitment and I hope that gives parents and families some comfort knowing that it's only those four days that they'll have their children at home. Will, will schools be able to cope next week? The teachers' union has slammed the government for, for you sitting on this decision and not giving them enough time to prepare. Oh, well, look, I think that's a bit disingenuous. Uh, you know, the Teachers' Federation have been in conversation with us over the last couple of weeks of the school holidays, as have our principals groups. We've been talking very clearly about what contingency plans we need to have in place, and they've been a part of that conversation. 
Uh, and our teachers have done this before. A lot of our schools, of course, as you'd remember, Koshi, did remote learning for several weeks last year. It's really just about refreshing those practices, getting out, doing it for those four days, supporting our kids and the families and looking forward to them being back at school in week two. OK, Year 12 kids, they're, they're, they're the most important cohort at the moment, aren't they? HSC exam trials are about to begin. Uh, a week of remote learning, will that disadvantage them? Well, we're asking our high schools to provide extra support for Year 12. And again, they did that in lockdown last year, making sure that they're the focus when it comes to timetabling the remote lessons. If Year 12 students need to access the school, you know, if they're working on a major prac or something that they really need to be on school site, they can do that next week. Uh, and we know we can support Year 12. We did it last year. And in fact, the class of 2020 performed on par uh, with their previous counterparts, even with COVID. So we know we can support our Year 12 kids, but we are asking our schools to really make sure that they're first in the list uh, for next week's support. OK. Minister, thanks for your time. Thanks, Koshi. Here's Nat. Thanks, Koshi. Well, for more on Sydney's outbreak, I'm joined by epidemiologist Professor Tony Blakely. Good morning to you. Now, 37 morning, people mate. with COVID are currently in New South Wales hospitals. Seven of those are in intensive care, two on ventilators, 14 are under the age of 55 and eight are under the age of 35, with one patient in their 30s in intensive care. Just how seriously do younger Sydney siders need to take this lockdown, Tony? Oh, these figures actually alarm me. Uh, the fact that we're seeing such a young age profile going into hospital and ICU is quite extraordinary and is a reminder to all of us that this is really serious. Um, what it means, I'm a little bit concerned by some of the dialogue I hear coming out of Sydney at the moment from uh, officials that this will be the last week of lockdown. Well, maybe, but maybe not. If these infections that are happening out in the community, where they're not in isolation or quarantine, if they keep ticking along at five a day, and you then release the restrictions, it will just blow up in your face. So what really needs to happen this week is that we need to see those numbers of infections in the community where they're not in isolation or quarantine down to zero. I and then you can ease up. If we, if we ease up before then, it's going to be very challenging. OK, um, the New South Wales Premier has been criticised, particularly by Queensland, by WA, saying it wasn't a hard enough lockdown. We've got lingerie stores open. We've got makeup stores open. We've got IKEA open. People are calling it the mockdown. Are we doing this hard enough in Sydney? Well, I don't want to criticise another state, but since you asked, that is ridiculous. If you want to get your lockdown over soon, do it properly. If you just muck around, this will just keep on going. This virus is really serious, it's really infectious, and you can't just do a half-hearted one and expect it to last a week. I'm sorry, but you have to do it properly, otherwise you're going to be doing lockdown for ages. So you think this will be extended because we've got people out there, we've got the Premier pleading for people to be good, but they're just not. You just had to see people on the weekend sitting around in big groups in parks. Well, I, the, the dialogue I hear coming on New South Wales is most concerning. There seems to be this idea that we're going to end this Friday no matter what. If you do that, it will blow up and New South Wales will be a hell of a mess between now and when vaccination coverage gets to 50% and it will probably take the rest of the country down with it. It's, it's that serious. Um, now, if common sense prevails, the lockdown will need to continue, but everybody, everybody needs to understand 
if you want the lockdown to be done with quickly, do it well. Okay, just quickly, your team has released some modelling on when Australia could open its international borders, what percentage of the population would need to be vaccinated and what's a realistic target? Yeah, OK, so we're picking up from Prime Minister Morrison last Friday and the idea that it should be a target. It's actually more nuanced than that. It depends on how many people are coming into the country, what infection risk they have coming into the country, what policy settings we use here with physical distancing and, of course, the vaccination coverage. So what we've done today is we've put all our modelling out there for the public and policymakers to use, 240 scenarios, interactive things you can use at pandemic trade-offs, just go and have a look. And the sort of thing it shows you, for example, if we get to about 70% vaccination coverage once all adults and children, I argue, have had a chance to be vaccinated, then we could open our borders up for quarantine-free travel to countries with an infection rate, a bit like what Vietnam is now, but not what Mexico is, because it would overwhelm us and it would just be too messy. So we've provided this information to really help the public and policymakers, and it's up there today. OK, so it's still a bit out to lunch. Tony, thank you very much. We appreciate your time this morning. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, Australia's biggest businesses have been drafted to help with the national national vaccine rollout after meeting with the Treasurer and COVID-19 Task Force Commander. The private sector offered to educate workers and customers about vaccinations, as well as potentially vaccinating their own staff on site. They're also looking at providing incentives for people to get the jab. Uh, joining me now, Chief Executive of the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Jenny Lambert. Uh, Jenny, how much of an impact will business support have on getting Australians vaccinated? Well, we hope it has a really good impact. It's, a, it's obviously got to be aligned with where the supply of the vaccine is up to. So in the next couple of months, it'll be about communication. It'll be about planning um, because the big effort will come when the vaccine supplies roll up for the most of the population, which is in early September. So at the moment, we'll be working very closely with government to see what role we can play. And, and it's anything from communicating to staff and customers and encouraging them to be vaccinated uh, through to, uh, you know, through to looking at um, putting jabs uh, in, in, uh, into the workplace in, in, uh, in arms of workers and also yeah. potentially what role we can play with providing venues and the like. Um, Jenny, big business has been part of the flu vaccine rollout for, for decades, hasn't it? It makes you wonder why business wasn't recruited earlier for this to start the rollout. Yeah, I, th I think that, Koshi, that's all about the supply side and, and the prioritisation. So, you know, they've been obviously prioritising aged care homes, uh, workers that are around the quarantine area, and obviously other vulnerable groups that would be seriously impacted if they got COVID. So that's been the early part of the rollout. And so it's very hard to then move that into workplaces when, when the vast majority of workers wouldn't still be eligible. So that's been part of the issue, has been how, how that rollout has occurred. But 
but also it's a matter of them be, being able to or, or working through who's actually going to give the vaccine. So obviously yeah. doctors and then it's pharmacies. And then, and then a, lot of the, um, a lot of the businesses use third-party, what we call third-party providers, you know, people who come in and give the flu jab who are health yeah. professionals. Yeah. So it's a question of giving them the permission to do it. Yeah, seems a no-brainer. All right, Jenny, thank you. Pandemic has hit the hospitality industry hard, costing the sector more than $10 billion. That's with a B. That number is only expected to rise, particularly in Sydney. The three-week shutdown is expected to take a $700 million toll on restaurants and cafes. There are fears many of those businesses won't survive, prompting calls for more government assistance. Yeah, one of those calling for industry help is renowned Australian chef Neil Perry, who joins us now. Neil, morning to you. Look, you're new. Margaret oh, restaurant um, didn't even open yeah. and went into lockdown. The day you were meant to open, you went into lockdown. How devastating yeah. has it been? Mate, that was terrible timing and my team are just so gutted because they were vibed up. It was a new, brand new restaurant. That sort of excitement only comes along once when you open a restaurant and we were right there at the, at the end and um, unfortunately had to go into one week lockdown, which got two weeks, which now... Yesterday is now three weeks, so it's devastating for everybody. Yeah, so talk us through the hospitality industry, what you and your colleagues and what, what people yeah. you're talking to are feeling right now and what you need. Well, we're all pushing hard for our staff. So government assistance federally for staff is really important. I noticed there was a $10,000 threshold on some of the staff members. Well, that's sort of like a disincentive to, for those guys to save and try and get a house and... I mean, I think everybody's really struggling. And if you're expecting to earn money, uh, all of a sudden you're restricted and locked out of your, your workplace, then you've got to be supported by federal government. Um, state government are doing a great job with some of the grants that have come through. But again, we need more. Uh, the Treasurer and I were talking not so long ago about potentially something like FBT, um, a, a year's holiday on that to try and stimulate the industry. But uh, all yeah. of those things should be on the table because we do need to think about how we get these stop-start uh, things out of our lives. I mean, we've got to get vaccinated, clearly. Yeah, and Neil, look, your colleagues in Victoria have been through months of lockdown, so it's a, a oh, national incredible. issue. And the restaurant industry works on very fine margins to start with, doesn't it? Let alone government-imposed yeah. lockdowns. It, it does. And then during lockdown, I mean, you need a really supportive landlord to start with. That's very important. Then you need some government assistance. You need your staff, obviously, to come uh, and, and help you out as well as you need to help them out. I mean, I think the hospitality industry is great at sort of giving each other a leg up. I mean, when we closed down, we gave lots of staff um, food to get them through the first few days. We couldn't use it. Um, you know, we're already running a rescue charity. And, and so we felt that it was important to give them something. But you know, the guys in Melbourne went through this for four months. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. And even before this, um, you know, just talking to restaurant and cafe owners, they couldn't even get staff, so they couldn't yeah. even get up and running properly because of the international border shutdown. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's a, that's a real difficulty for the industry. I mean, we've got four, 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 uh, four, 450,000 work holiday people that aren't here. Agriculture's really feeling it as well. We need to get these borders open. We need skilled migration to come back again. The, the hospitality industry really relies on about 30% um, skilled, skilled and casual uh, visa holders. So without those in the system, agriculture and, and, and hospitality are really struggling. Yeah. So 
We want the borders open, and I guess the only way that's going to happen is if we all get vaccinated. So I would just say, I've had my first shot. I would say to everybody, please get out and get vaccinated. We need to get our life back. Mm. Um, you know, I want to I want to bring people here to do fundraisers for charities from overseas restaurants. That's something we did for years and years. Uh, we can't do anymore. Yeah. So, um, you know, th- there's not much good news in the, in, the, in the situation at the moment. I mean, I mean, one of the reasons I'm holding this gourmet magazine is because that is a bit of good news. Yeah. The restaurant of the year um, is starting up again. It's fantastic for the industry, really gives people um, something to aim for. But I suppose more importantly, it's like a pat on the back um, from, uh, from the magazine and the, and, the, and, the, and the folks who are judging restaurants around the country. So, you know, it, it gives everybody a nice lift yeah. and it gives everybody a benchmark to shoot for. Yeah, and they are great awards, aren't they, those Gourmet Traveller Awards? Oh, and brilliant. I, be, I bet Margaret, you want Margaret to be up there and uh, uh, have a chance <laughs> this year as well. Oh, I'd be honoured. Yeah, well, I mean, with Rockpool, I, I think I won the award five times. So, uh, you know, I know what it's like to do that and set a benchmark. So with Margaret, I'd just be, you know, honoured and thrilled if we were considered, um, you, know, a, you know, one of the new restaurants that were worthy of a, of, a, of, a, of a nod. But more importantly, I think for the industry, it sort of it, it gives us a focus of something that's, uh, that's happening that's very positive, you know, in an environment now that's, uh, that's very unstable. We really, as a business, uh, well, the whole business community in Australia, just doesn't know what's going to happen next. I mean, with yeah. WA saying one case and we shut down, you know, Rockpool Bar and Grill in Perth has had a terrible uh, year this year, closing and opening and closing and opening. And then the restrictions, yeah. you come back under four square metres or 20 covers or, yeah. you know, it's almost impossible to plan. Yeah, yep. it is a huge industry. So many people work in it. Thank you very much for describing <laughs> what's happening. Neil Perry. Great pleasure, Nat. Thanks. Now to two workers inside Tokyo's Olympic Village who have been tested positive for COVID just 15 days out from the Games. This comes as the host city braces for a fifth wave and it's highlighted just how challenging it will be to pull off a COVID-safe Games. For more, we're joined by Seven News correspondent Ash Mullaney. Ash, you're on the ground there in Tokyo. What's the feeling there towards the Olympics? Good morning, Koshi and Nat. Well, there's certainly mixed feelings about the Olympics and it's directly linked to the COVID situation, as you guys just pointed out, because uh, the cases aren't under control here. Japan hasn't seen those same um, explosions in cases that we saw in Europe and America, but we are there are serious concerns about this Delta variant and uh, 14% of the population now vaccinated. So... The idea of having athletes pouring in from 200 countries, um, it has concerned some of these locals, but the Japanese government is committed to this. They've delayed it once already. They've pumped $15 billion into these games and they're confident, as is the Olympic Committee, that they can pull this off and they can do it safely. So how are they going to do it? How are they going to make sure there aren't massive COVID outbreaks across Tokyo? Yeah, well, I think as you pointed out, Nat, it's really about keeping this divide between the Olympic bubble and the Japanese public. So the press that is coming in, uh, the athletes, uh, for 14 days, they can't mix with the Japanese public. They can only move between their hotel or the Olympic Village um, and those sites. And this is an extraordinary undertaking in terms of COVID testing and tracing. So everyone has to have these apps. We're logging our temperatures. We have to provide uh, COVID samples for the first three days. And then the athletes athletes have to be tested daily too. Okay, so it's going to be very different for the athletes, isn't it? Because 
as soon as their events finish, they're out, aren't they? They can't hang around and party and enjoy it. Yeah, there's not going to be any tourism here, Koshi. They're not going to be able to spend um, time sightseeing around Japan. They're really here for business. Uh, they'll be coming in. They'll be going straight to the athletes' village, uh, and it will be really strict. And uh, even the, the the small things like being able to high five or a handshake or a, a pat on the back at the end of a of a race that can't happen either. They're really encouraging people to stay separate. Uh, and then the big decision next will be whether to reduce the crowd numbers uh, even further. We're expecting an an announcement from the Japanese government on that today. Mm. Yeah, so not okay. much spin-off for the country, I no. guess, won't it? It's interesting. Thank you very much, Ash.